Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Abraham is heading down south. Give me your attention. And there's a famine in the land, and Abraham tells his wife to act like his sister because Sarah's really pretty. And, she, and, and Abraham thinks because Sarah's really pretty, they're going to want to take Sarah and kill Abraham. And Sarah's pretty, and Abraham, he looks just okay. <laughs> so Abraham says, Sarah, listen, honey, I want you to lie. And when they see you, I want you to tell them that you are my sister. And because Abraham, listen close, was facing a difficult situation, he began to become discouraged. And God again reminded him of his promises. Fast forward to chapter 13 in the book of Genesis. Turn quickly and look at verse 14. God reminds him. Look at verse 14, chapter 13, verse 14. God says, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you now are, Abraham, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, Abraham, and walk in the land through its length and its width, for I will give it to you. God says, Abraham, I'm not only going to make you a great nation, but I'm going to give you all the land that you can see. And I'm going to make your descendants like the dust of the earth. And then go fast forward to chapter 15 as Abraham faces another challenge. After having a battle with four powerful kings, Abraham got victory, but he was afraid that they might retaliate. And look at chapter 15, beginning right about verse 5. As God comes to Abraham again and says, look now toward heaven and count the stars, Abraham, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. You see that? And he accounted it to him for righteousness. There's Romans 4 again. God counted it for righteousness because he believed, not because he behaved. Amen. But because he believed. And God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to do a work in your life that will blow your mind. Now look at chapter 15, verse 8. Look at it. Abraham said to God, did you look at it? If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Abraham said to God, how will I know that your promises are going to come to pass? And how will I know that I will inherit it? And then God said in verse 9, Are you looking at it? Bring a three-year-old heifer. Bring a three-year-old female goat. A three-year-old ram. A turtle dove. A pigeon. And a partridge in a pear tree. 
Bible. That's, it's in my Bible. So. And then look at verse 12. Then Abraham brought them and cut them up. Look at verse 12. And he fell asleep. Then fast forward to verse 17. The sun went down and it was dark. And there was smoke and burning torch that passed between the pieces. Now, saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. We need to understand something culturally. In that culture, when a covenant was made, the animal was cut up. And actually, the animal was positioned in pieces, in a certain position. And then both parties of the covenant would light the animal on fire. And that meant that the covenant was sealed by both parties agreeing to do their share of the agreement. But did you know when Abraham got everything set up, the Lord didn't show up. And Abraham in verse 12 fell asleep. And then the Lord showed up and consumed the animal with the fire. And then Abraham wakes up and he smells the burning animal. Listen, God allowed Abraham to fall asleep and then consume the animals because God was making it clear that this covenant, Abraham, wasn't going to be an equal partnership. God wasn't saying, Abraham, you do your part and I'll do my part. God was saying, Abraham, I'll do it all. Abraham, you rest and go to sleep. Amen. 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 Woo. <laughs> you know, listen. All right, Lord, help me. You know, when God makes a promise, you can go to sleep. You can go to sleep. And some of us need to go to sleep. If God has said something, don't you know that he is well capable without your help? Somebody say amen. He is well capable without your help to accomplish the word that he sent. Oh, you need to rest. You need to go to sleep. And somehow so often we try to get so involved in what God has already ordained and planned. We try to help God out. Only to mess it all up. You get involved, it's all messed up. God says, I tell you what, go to sleep. We get so caught up in what we want. You know, God, I want a husband. Oh. <laughs> go to sleep. I got to get me a man. Go to sleep. Don't get to searching for a man. All in the supermarket at the broccoli aisle. You know, everywhere you see a man, God says, go to sleep. I want a wife. Go to sleep. You want to be blessed of the Lord? Just rest in the promise of God and go to sleep. God is saying, listen, I'll do my work apart from you. You can go to sleep and you can rest. God's got it all under control, saints. Somebody need to say amen. God's got it all under control. Listen to this little story I collected. Listen to this. Good morning from God. I am the Lord your God. Today I will be handling all your problems. Please remember that I do not need your help. If the devil happens to deliver a situation to you that you cannot handle, do not attempt to resolve it. Kindly put it in the SFJTD 
something for Jesus to do box. It will be addressed in my name, not yours. Once the matter is placed in the box, do not hold on to it or attempt to remove it. Holding on or removal will delay the resolution of your problem. If a situation that you think you are capable of handling, please consult me in prayer to be sure that it is a proper resolution. Because I do not sleep, nor do I slumber. There is no need for you to lose any sleep. Rest, my child. If you need to contact me, I am only a prayer away. Love eternally, the Lord your God. P.S. Please pass this on to all my other kids. Don't you love that? Just rest in the Lord. Rest in his promise. When you put your trust in Jesus, listen close, and you are born again, your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven, you're a new creation with a new life, and you receive the hope of heaven. And now listen, all of the promises, all of the promises of God are available to you. Somebody once said that there are over 7,847 promises of God to the believer in the Bible. 7,000 promises of God. We had a little box of promises on the back of our toilet. That's what you do. I've gone to so many bathrooms. They're like the little promises of God on the back of your... Listen, that little box can't hold all the promises of God. You wouldn't even be able to get in the bathroom if you, if, you, if you had them all in a box. All of God's promises are available to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul said, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, Amen. All the promises are yes. That means for certain. And amen literally means accomplished in Christ. In other words, all blessings that come to us are brought to you by Jesus Christ. Amen, saints? Point number two, if you're tracking with me. Abraham's faith resulted in becoming a pilgrim. Take your Bible and travel with me again to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter, you go to James, you're going too far, back up. Hebrews chapter 11. And right around verse 8, talking about Abraham's faith that resulted in becoming a pilgrim. Hebrews 11 verse 8, and it reads this. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelled in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is who, saints? God. Listen, give me your attention. Did you know that Abraham was a very wealthy man? And when he died... He didn't own one thing. Abraham never owned a home. He never bought a timeshare. Amen. Of desert. He never made any investments. He never had a retirement plan. He had nothing really to leave his kids, which I like that. I'm spending it all right now. I've already told my kids, when I die, I have nothing. No point in trying to kill me. I ain't leaving you nothing. Say amen, parents. Nothing. I had to work hard for mine. You got to work hard for yours. 
Okay, I'm back. <laughs> the only piece of property, listen, I guess he did own something. The only piece of property that he owned was Hebron, was at Hebron, where he bought a grave for his wife at Machpelah. But that was it. Abraham could have bought all the real estate he wanted. But Abraham knew something that I think we often forget. Don't get caught up in the things of this world system. Hebrews clearly tells us that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And everywhere Abraham went, you track through the Bible and you track his life. Everywhere that Abraham went, he set up a tent and an altar. Wherever he went, he just pitched his tent, which was to say this is temporary. And then he built an altar, which was to say, while I'm here, I think I'll worship. A tent and an altar. Abraham was a wanderer and a worshiper. He was a pilgrim and a priest. He was a stranger and a sojourner. Abraham knew I'm headed for heaven. You know, saints, don't forget that. We are headed for heaven. Do you know that? This is not your home. We need to prepare to make that transition. As a brother that passed away even this past week, and they called me and told me that a brother passed away this week, and, 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 and he was a wonderful brother. And, and I just began to share that, that, that we're all going to heaven, that this is not our home. No. I've often told you that this earth is like apartment living. That's right. You know how you can't get a comfortable in apartments, ladies. You know how you want to paint, but you can't. Because if you do, you're going to have to repaint it when you leave. Or you're going to have to pay them. And give them extra money. And God knows you don't want to do that. But it's just like, you don't get comfortable here. We can't get comfortable here. Because this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And Abraham knew that. And that's why Abraham, wherever he went, watch this. He pitched a tent and he built an altar. And he worshiped God. Don't forget that. And then finally, our last and third and final point, Abraham's faith, talking about the faith of Abraham, was patient. Was patient. Hebrews chapter 6. Turn there. Just back up just a little bit. Hebrews chapter 6. In verse 15. Talking about Abraham's faith. He was a pilgrim. His faith was founded on the person and the promise of God. And then finally here, Abraham's faith was patient. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 15. It tells us that Abraham patiently endured and he obtained the promises. Now listen, when God told Abraham, give me your attention, when God told Abraham to leave home and that he was going to be a great nation, we just read it in Genesis 12, he was 75 years old and years went by and there were no kids. Well, when he was 86 years old, it was Sarah, his wife. She said to him, she said, honey, she says, um, you ain't getting any younger. And, and I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm 76. He was 86. And they didn't have any kids. And Sarah said to Abraham, you know the story. Why don't you go ahead and take Hagar and have relations with her? And the child that you guys produce can be the promised seed from Abraham. And I'm sure that Abraham reluctantly agreed. (laughs) Now you sure? I don't want no drama. 
Okay. And you know, that, that's in the Hebrew. You have to read deep into the text to get that out. If you understand, wave at me. You understand. Okay, good. All right. And, uh, and you know they had a son, and his name was, audience participation, they had a son, his name was Ishmael. You know that. And then, listen, it was 14 years. Did you understand this? It was 14 years between the presentation of the promise and the performance of it. And God had them wait for the promise. Why? Because, listen, it's as simple as this. God had them wait for the promise for the same reason that God has you wait. So that they would learn patience and endurance. Patience and endurance. James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4 tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be able to be complete. That's mature and lacking nothing. You see, God's trying to produce patience in you because he needs to prepare you for a greater work. And if you're not prepared, you won't be ready for the greater work. So patience is important. You know, I was sharing this with Elvira last night and I was telling them in first service this morning that it reminded me, are you listening? It reminded me of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 12, as you know, Jeremiah's ministry was ineffective. And he preached for years with no response and he complained to God. And then in Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5, God said, If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? In other words, if you're not getting along with the present situation and difficulty, then how are you going to make it when things increase? And that's why God has you running hard with the footmen, because he knows later he's going to call you to keep up with the horsemen. So he's building you up. And the way that he's building you up is through patience. Yes. And so we want to get used by God. We want to be used in the ministry. We want God to use our lives, but we're not willing to be patient. You know, God, you know, if you feel God's called you to the ministry and you feel God's going to do a, a grand work in your life, then how about this? How about trying to, first of all, run with the footmen? Yes. How about this? You feel God's called you? How about being faithful to the little things, yes. keeping up with the footmen? Yes. You see, people want to pass through the church, but they can't be faithful to usher. Amen. Oh, you want to be the pastor, but you can't faithfully clean the toilets. Amen. I didn't think I'd get too many amens here. <laughs> You need to be faithful in keeping up with the footmen. Yes. Just doing what you do faithfully is unto the Lord. Because God is using this time to prepare you, to bring you to the place where he can use you later. And you will be able then to keep up with the horses. Amen. If you understand, say amen. amen. That's so very important. Now listen, yes, there are times, I know you know your Bible and you're thinking, yes, Rodney, there are times in Abraham's life where he wasn't very patient. And that's true. We just talked about some of them. Sarah says, Abraham, take Hagar. Abraham goes, okay, fine. He's not being patient. Well, when the Egyptians see you, Sarah, lie and tell them you're my sister because I don't want them to kill me. See, Sarah is all about me. 
There are many times where Abraham wasn't patient, and we can see that in the Old Testament. But isn't it very interesting that you don't hear of these stories of the impatience of Abraham in the New Testament? Amen. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because the Old Testament, listen, is brutally honest, and the New Testament is gloriously gracious. The Old Testament is brutally honest. I mean, but on this side of Calvary, the Bible says we're forgiven. And that God has forgotten. And all God sees in Abraham is that Abraham showed great faith and patience and he endured. God has forgiven you. God has forgotten. The blood of Jesus Christ has justified you just as if you'd never sinned. And propitiation, the mercy seat, and the blood of Jesus covers our sin. And he forgot. God chooses not to remember. You know, God chooses not to remember your sin. And he doesn't bring it up. And the Bible says he casts your sin in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered anymore. God doesn't remind us. And in the New Testament, we see glorious grace because we don't see nor read of any of Abraham's mess ups. All we're told is that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now go back to Romans chapter 4. Notice Romans chapter 4. And look at it again. Right about verse 2. Verse 2, Lord help me. Verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works in chapter 4 verse 2, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham, what saints? Believed God. Now you understand. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. You see that? In other words, listen, if you work, give me your attention. If you work all week and your boss brings you your check and says, here you are, here's a gift. You go, excuse me? Uh, a gift? Uh, I worked all week for this check, thank you very much. That's not a gift. So Paul is saying, listen, if you work for your righteousness, it's not grace or a gift. But to the one in verse 5, look at it again, who doesn't work, verse 5, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, that's a gift and that's grace. Do you see that? Yes. That's a gift. And that's grace to him who I love this in verse five as I wrap it up to him who justifies the ungodly saints. Listen close. This is what happens the second you get saved. God justifies the ungodly in order for you to get to heaven. There needs to be a God who justifies the ungodly. And unless there is, are you listening? Unless there is a God who justifies the ungodly, ain't nobody going to heaven. Amen. You understand? Unless we have a God who, that's why this whole topic of justification is so very important. That's why it's important for you to understand it because you can't get to heaven based on your own works. And this is why I don't understand why people who are legalistic and religious... They don't understand the very clear teaching of the scriptures. The Bible makes it clear, unless we have a God who justifies the ungodly, no one goes to heaven. Period. 
Because at the bottom line, at the core nature of every person is the sinful nature. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we serve a God who justifies the ungodly. And don't you know this is a problem they have with Jesus because he hung around with sinners. Jesus justifies the ungodly. That's incredible. That's awesome. Because whether you're saved this morning or even if you're not, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ right in the sinful state that you are, for God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's grace. That whoever believes in him, it doesn't say whoever behaves rightly. It says whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God justifies the ungodly. And if you don't believe that, then all you need to do is take a cursory look at the life of the idol-worshipping Gentile Abraham. God justifies the ungodly. And next week, we'll see that God justifies the sinner as well as we take David, exhibit A, or B in this case, King David, who was an Old Testament sinner. And David said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. And we'll talk about that next week. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.